Welcome to the Total Brain podcast series, hosted by Dr. Evian Gordon, founder and chief medical officer of Total Brain. Today's podcast is on social connectivity in the COVID era. And it is my deep delight to introduce you to our key opinion leader presenter, Professor Shelley Carson. Dr. Shelley Carson is a Harvard-trained psychologist. She continues to lecture and conduct research in the Harvard Department of Psychology. She's also a member of Harvard's Mind, Brain, and Behavior Program, and a founding member of the Brain Health Initiative. Her research on resilience and creativity has been published widely in peer-reviewed journals, and she's well-known internationally as an expert in the field of creativity. She has served as a subject matter expert for the United States Department of Defense on resilience projects, and she's the author of several critically acclaimed books, including Your Creative Brain. Recently, Dr. Carson has extended her resilience work to study the importance of social connectivity and social support for the brain and for stress and anxiety management. And that's what she will be talking about with us today. So before I start, Shelley, I just do want to mention what a wonderful joy it's been to be exposed to all of your information. The, the Creative Brain book was like a masterclass in the brain, not just in creativity. And Jin, just it's been such a great pleasure to, um, to be working with you on, on a number of projects and in, in the field of research in this area. So with that, Shelley, I'll ask you to please begin with starting with your three takeaways. Then let's riff a bit about them. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of your podcast, Evian. I've been listening to other episodes of the podcast, and they're, they're so informative and so enjoyable to listen to. So thank you for presenting them. And I'd like all your listeners to know that we have actually been engaging in some research together. So that's been wonderful. and. Also, uh, Dr. Gordon Evian has uh, been a guest lecturer in my in our class, uh, Brain Health and Performance at Harvard. He was actually just there last week as a guest lecturer, and the students were so appreciative. So thank you very much for doing that for us as well, Evian. It's been great fun. So today I'm going to be talking about, as you mentioned, social connectivity and social support and how it's so important to us for stress mastery, especially during these times of very uncertain times of being um, socially distanced from each other, which I call COVID-19 captivity or sheltering in. And my three takeaways for today are these. Positive, positively engaging with others strengthens your physiological reserves as an individual. Giving support to others is as important to health as receiving support. And during this time of social distancing, maintaining daily social engagement with others is important to health and well-being. So to begin with looking at positively engaging with others strengthens your physiological reserves as an individual. In order to begin talking about that, 
I've really got to talk about our social brains. And in fact, our brains are social brains. Much of the real estate in our brains is devoted to social interaction with others. And much of our information processing is directed towards social interaction. So for instance, if you think about social perception, if you look out into a crowd, you're able to pick out the face of a loved one, even though every face out there, most every face has two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. And yet you're able to pick out loved ones from a sea of faces. That's because you have part of your brain that's devoted to facial perception. A lot of our brains devoted to social communication. Not only language, not only language production and language comprehension, but also nonverbal communication. Being able to understand what gestures mean, what tone of voice means, um, what posture means. We can understand this from other people. And young children can understand from the time of three or four years old, they're able to take the perspective of another person. We call this theory of mind. And you're able to understand that other people see things differently than you do. And this is a large area of the brain that's located in the center part of the front of the brain, which is called the medial prefrontal cortex. Our brains also have parts that are devoted to social emotions, specifically social emotions, such as embarrassment and, and shame and guilt, and then love and, of course, empathy. And empathy is so important to our humanity towards each other. And then finally, social behavior. A lot of our brains devoted to that, being able to understand how to interact with each other in appropriate ways. Some of them are mean-spirited, of course, but so much of our interaction in the world is caring and helpful and loving. So a great deal of our brain is devoted to social interactions. And it's important to know that. Oh, it's such a great summary, Shelley. So the, the positive engaging, giving support, and social engagement. It's the same principles because as you so elegantly stated how the brain is wired for and needing and nurtured by those dynamics. How do we deploy them effectively in this era of doing it over the internet or, or with it at distance? Well, that's a really good question because it's so important that we do that. Well, first of all, let me talk about why remaining connected is important to our stress management. We know that being socially connected has advantages to our health. For instance, being socially connected and having social support from others is associated with lower inflammation in the brain. And there have been a number of studies, even longitudinal studies, that have shown that the amount of social support that you feel from others is predictive of inflammation in the brain even 10 years later 
as measured by a number of different biomarkers of inflammation. We also know that social support is a protective factor against virtually all types of mental illness, including depression, different anxiety disorders, bipolar disorder, and even psychotic disorders such as schizophrenia. So having social support buffers against those things. And finally, we know that social support buffers against stress, both perceived stress, that is how we perceive it in terms of anxiety, because when we feel stress, what we're really feeling is anxiety. And then the physiological effects of stress, which are, of course, the the long-term effects of uh, too much cortisol, too much circulating cortisol, which of course can damage our brain and damage hippocampus, which is associated with learning and memory, and that can do damage there and can even bring um, cause early-stage dementia. And finally, we know that having social support releases feel-good hormones and chemicals uh, neurochemicals like oxytocin and neuroendorphins. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But the opposite of social connectedness and, and feeling social support is social isolation and the loneliness that comes with that. And that's associated with depressive symptoms and impaired cognitive performance and even earlier onset of dementia symptoms and the progression of Alzheimer's disease for those people who are susceptible to that. We also see it's associated with elevated blood pressure and higher morning cortisol, which is associated with stress and the increased risk of heart disease and stroke. So a lot of bad things. And one of the things we want to make sure is that social distancing doesn't lead to social isolation. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so important in my mind, Shelley, in, in every podcast and in every aspect of what we do in the brain to see how close we can get to the mechanisms mm -hmm. in the brain. And the closer we get to the mechanisms, reshape them, rewire them, the more likely the impact is going to be greater. And so to me, it's been so interesting to, to listen to in the podcast to people, you know, like David Whitehouse talking about a simple kind of cognitive behavior therapy to reframe and Heidi Hanna talking, you know, about breath and feel and focus. And to me, much of what they were saying helped to switch on dopamine in the brain, the reward chemical that really does keep people engaged and really is the chemical catalyst for change. But in social connection, you mentioned oxytocin. What a great other example of how simply switching on these chemicals like dopamine for reward or oxytocin mm -hmm. for bonding and connection and all these e consequent effects of decreasing inflammation that they have. It's also helpful in my mind to, to bring these deep biological insights, to make these words and these actions so much more real in terms of what their consequent impact is in these, this incredible, you know, 85 billion neuron and incredibly sophisticated interconnection with the brain 
And so that's to me what the beauty is of bringing these biological, psychological ideas together. Yes. Well, I mean, it's very interesting. There's been some research about, well, especially about loneliness, which again is the opposite of social engagement. And in an interesting study of post-mortem brains of people who were self-proclaimed lonely people, what they found was that there was what we call a gene-by-environment interaction. And they found that in these brains of lonely people, loneliness had actually affected the genes of these people in the reward centers of the brain, which, of course, are the end terminal of dopamine projections in an area called nucleus accumbens. So dopamine projections to nucleus accumbens is basically the reward center of the brain. And the genes that operated these particular neurons had been affected presumably by loneliness. And the researchers surmised that loneliness had affected gene expression in these areas so that people were unable to experience pleasure and that affected their stress response so that they weren't able to handle stress as well consequently because of their loneliness because it affected the reward centers or their ability to to experience reward now i think that was very interesting very and Taking it a little further, other researchers have suggested that the way that social support probably works to buffer stress begins very early in life, beginning with the parent-infant bond, and that that bond, beginning early in life, releases oxytocin because we know that touch, human touch, releases oxytocin and endorphins. And so that begins early in life to affect the stress system of the human. And then it's carried on through life through positive peer relations and later on through positive romantic relations completely through the lifespan. So positive social relations continue to, um, to release these release oxytocin, release these endorphins that continually modulate the stress response system throughout the lifespan. Yeah, that's a wonderful summary. So it's a really good uh, sort of framework to, to go to some specific ways um, that I'd love to share about. So we've got the framework of the importance of positive engaging and of social engagement and the consequences both for dopamine and for oxytocin and for a whole mindset in terms of the positive elements of that and giving support. And then the challenge, there's the awareness of how, how loneliness and isolation could be really counterproductive. And so to me, one of the learnings, and I'd love to hear your views on what you do and have found is most helpful to other people. Just two things I want to share with you, Shelley, by way of preamble is that in this isolation period that we're having lockdown period, I mean, 20th day of lockdown, I've become very aware in so the social connection that is available to me on the internet, but I, I was not that keen initially on doing podcasts. I've been asked for a decade to do it. 
And the reason was I always felt that visual videos were much more effective because you had so many more cues, the body language cues, because I'm obviously part of our integrative theme in looking at a total brain is that what people say is not necessarily um, communicating the intention as much as their body language cues and their voice cues. And so it's been so interesting for me to do podcasts now and listen to how powerful voice cues are. And it's given me a very new awareness of the power of that element of social connectivity. And the second piece is every day I just, my little concrete action is to reach out to somebody that I have not reached out to for a while. And the impact of that, so gratitude of doing that and the impact of generating oxytocin in doing that has been fascinating. What are the things that you do, Shelley, personally, that are concretely manifesting the, the engagement, the support, and the, um, the social connectivity at this time? And what are the things you've, you feel that are most impactful you've seen in others? Well, first of all, I would like to agree with you as far as your podcast goes, that the sound of the human voice is extremely powerful. And I would say at times more powerful than actually watching video. One of the things, and this is very personal that's happened to me, is since we, my husband and I, have been kind of cloistered in our home, we've decided to clean out our basement. And one of the things that I found in the basement was an, um, an old cassette tape that used to be in an old answering machine that we had. Hmm. And on it was my deceased mother's voice. Now, I have video of my mother, but nothing moved me like hearing her voice on this cassette tape. It was so powerful to hear her voice on this. And I can tell you it was more powerful than actually seeing video of her. So the power of the human voice, we mustn't underestimate it. I have a set of guidelines that I recommend to people that they engage in during this time of social distancing. And the first one is daily contact with your main social support group. This is especially important if you live alone and if you have a loved one or someone who's important to you that lives alone, make sure that they have regular contact with a support group by voice at least by voice. And that could include over the phone or over some sort of social conferencing over the internet. But don't limit it to text or to emails. Make sure they have voice contact because again, the power of the human voice is great. So I'm glad that you brought that up, Evian, because the human voice is, is extremely powerful. Yeah. What are the other elements on your list? Um, the second one is make sure that you do check in with your neighbors. It's interesting that uh, most of us hopefully do know our neighbors, but a lot of us don't know our neighbors that well. We uh, tend to be very insular in our little social support circles, and, and some of our neighbors we may not know that well. And I think we can take a real lesson from Italians when we see pictures of them out on their balconies laughing and singing with each other. And the American equivalent of that is to grab your lawn chair, 
get your mug of coffee and go sit in one of the neighbor's driveways with appropriate social distancing, of course. And maybe now, if you're so inclined with a piece of cloth over your face and have a cup of coffee with your neighbors um, at the appropriate distance. But make sure that your neighbors have the medicines, have the groceries that they need if you are in a position to be able to drive to the grocery store and get them because we don't want anybody falling through the cracks. Yes, I love that picture that you showed, Shelley. In a recent webinar we were on with you sitting with the neighbors at the appropriate distance, it looked awkward because of the distance, but it looked like real. You could feel the connectedness still. And that, that's so, it was just such a great picture and said so much. And another thing that I think is that I'm recommending to everybody is once a week, pick an old acquaintance that you haven't had contact with for a while and make contact with them through email, through Facebook, through a telephone call, but somebody you haven't been in touch with for a while, re-contact them and get to know them again. And this is a wonderful time to do that so you can enlarge your social support group right now and actually come out with more social connections after this is over than you had before it started. But this is a great time to catch up with old friends. And we have wonderful online tools. So as, um, as you heard me talk about, Evian, I have a group of friends from way, way back that we've been talking about getting together for a long time. And we finally decided just to do it over Zoom because the chances of us getting together in person, we've been trying to do it for years and, and haven't been able to do it. We did it on Zoom. We spent five fun-filled hours together over Zoom. And that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for this coronavirus. So we're actually using this op as an opportunity rather than a threat. Yeah, there's a great example, Shelley. You know, the one other thing to me about this is that in this time in the brain, as we bring all the pieces together, one of the things we're seeing is depth matters, you know, like bringing integration is what we call it. But it's like, what are the pieces that connect that matter? that make the insight and the actions deeper and more likely to stick. So we, we all get across that gap between knowing and doing, really doing and rewiring. And the other thing is time, really being present in the moment um, in a real way. And what I have found about this entire experience in reframing it as an opportunity is depth, the quality of social connection, as well as the quantity and um, I'd love you to talk a little bit about the quality of connection before we, before we end off on your re reinforcing your, your takeaways. But the quality of connection to me, Shelley, is, is such an integral part of the learnings that we all have of how to really make them stick rather than, than just talk about them and how we make them interconnect with the best depth. It's so important that when you're present with people that you're truly present with them. And I think that's one of the things that we're going to be able to learn from this experience is there's not a lot of other things that we have to do right now other than just be with each other, whether it's over the internet or at a six foot distance, but being able to be fully present for each other, looking each other in the eye, whether it's across again through social media, through um, Zoom, through Skype 
or whether it's being fully present on the telephone with someone else or sitting at six feet across a driveway looking at a neighbor, but really being available to look at them, to understand them and uh, getting to know them. I think that's very important. And in the same light, being able to express gratitude to each other because we are all in this together and gratitude is a very positive and stress-reducing mechanism that we can all use and um, it will increase our positive affect, our positive emotions and keep stress at bay. So well put, Shelley. Just before um, I ask you to reinforce the, the takeaways, thank you so much, firstly, for sharing your wisdoms and experience and research and the convergence of the biology and the psychology and the behavior of social connectivity in the COVID era. But it really is fascinating to me how much this, yes, we're all hyper aware of all of these issues now in the COVID era, but I really hope that this is a time where we we take these learnings that have made us so much more sensitive to these issues and appreciative of them into our, our, keep them in our lives when the when 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 we go back to the new normal, whatever that's going to be. I agree with you, and one of the things that other than that that I'd like to say is our mindset, the way we that we go into our sheltering in place, the, the way that we look at it is very important as well. Rather than seeing it as a hassle or something that's a threat to our daily routine, I think we really have to look at it as a challenge, as a way that we are contributing to a quest to defeat an unseen enemy. All of us have a part to play. All of us have a positive part to play. And part of that is by helping each other, giving support to each other. And that's as important as receiving support. Spot on. So Shelley, I'm going to ask you to please um, end off with reinforcing your takeaways. And I just want to just profoundly thank you and also thank you not just for this podcast, which has just been such a great experience and fun and just just so captured the depth that I've seen you share in so many ways. But also thank you for helping us look at the the total brain data and, and the data from the international database and make sense of the social connectivity, the resilience, and then hopefully we'll also have a chance to do some research on creativity. But just thank you so much for all your input. And thank you, Evian. Okay, once again, looking at our takeaways, positively engaging with others strengthens your physiological reserves as an individual. So what we've talked about is the fact that stress management at the physiological level as well as the psychological level is enhanced by positively engaging with others. Giving support to others is as important to health as receiving support. And um, research backs that up that the neurochemicals, oxytocin and endorphins are released as you give support as well as as you receive support. And finally, during this time of social distancing, daily social engagement with others is important to your health and well-being. And I certainly wish all of you abundant social support and good health. 
Here, here. Thank you so much, Shelley. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.